And welcome to another edition of Inside Who Mats, where I talk about anything inside sports, pop culture. I got Dante here uh, back in the building, and we got a lot to talk about, specifically Ed Reed and later on Kyrie Irving. But Dante, how you been? I've been pretty good, man. You know, I've been uh, out of commission for a couple of weeks, but I listened to your last podcast. I want to get into, you know, the topics today. All right, so let's get right into it. So, like, there's been a there's been a movement I want to say that's been going around HBCUs ever since Deion Sanders uh, in 2020 took over the job as head football coach of Jackson State. Let's fast forward now to 2023. You have some notable coaches like um, like um, Eddie George, like Hugh Jackman, and what's recently the biggest controversy is Ed Reed, for Hall of Famer Ed Reed of Baltimore Ravens. He agreed to take the job at um, at Bethune-Cookman College. And long story short, um, in the negotiations of his job, it was a gentleman agreement. He aired out some of the, the grievances or some of the, the things that's been going on from administrators happening to the students at Bethune-Cookman. And he kind of aired it out on Instagram live on social media, which kind of blew over, which made BCC look in a bad light, which they rescinded the coaching offer. So, Dante, I want to ask you this. Jackson, so, Deion Sanders left to Colorado. Ed Reed was going to take over Thune Cookman, and they and they left. Uh, they rescinded the offer. What is going on in HBCUs right now? Yeah, I think What's going on in HBCUs right now, I think it's a missed opportunity. Right now, Deion Sanders, over the last three years, caused a big interest in HBCU sports. Not just the football program, but you look at basketball, you look at baseball. He's kind of revitalized people looking into considering HBCU as a target to go to. But I think what's going on now has been going on for, you know, 50, 60, you know, for years, decades is some of the inadequacies inadequacies that shows some of the facilities that HBCU have and when you have a professional coach that come and want to take the position. So I think on surface, you know, everybody is for going to HBCUs, for supporting the colleges, but when you actually pull the curtains back and you see what you actually got to deal with once you take the position, I think that's kind of what's going on now. It's like we're unveiling, you know, what's really behind these, you know, where the money going, where the budget at, you know, how you want to plan on competing when your facilities are not up to standard. And I think some of the exposing of, you know, some of the mismanagement of funds is kind of coming to the forelight. And I think that's what's really going on right now. Yeah. When you said that, that thought of, uh, when you said that, it's a term that came to mind. It's called invisible labor. And I feel like what these coaches are doing is invisible labor. So they're going... If they're supposed to compete, one, up in the SWAC and the MEAC is one thing. But if they want to compete on a national level, they're competing against company, uh, uh, schools that have million-dollar endowment. But more importantly, they have an organizational structure where the coach, all he has to do is coach. He don't have to raise money. He don't have to be a booster. He don't have to, he don't have to wear all these hats. And I brought up the term invisible labor. It brought because it, it reminded me of the Sports Illustrated cover, or I mean the 60 Minutes cover of Deion Sanders when he said, 
I brought my own lawnmower out. He said, I'll ask you to cut the grass, and I'll ask you again, and then I'm not going to ask you again. And after he said that, you saw him with his own lawnmower cutting his grass, and that speaks volumes of where it's at because that's not a – I don't think that's a money issue, right? Like if you're running a big school like that, you should have facilities, uh, grounds people capable of doing the, the regular stuff like cutting grass. And then that springs me forward to Ed Reed when he said that there was trash, you know, all over the campus. You know, groundskeeper, like what what's going on, like structure wise, where these are the hurdles that, you know, these coaches go through. And, and I think you're right. It is a it's a it's bringing light to an issue that nobody want to talk about. And you bring light, bring light to it where he said the mismanagement of funds. And I think people at the top, there is money that goes missing. And those funds could go to an adequate, you know, custodial staff or. Uh, Grounds crew staff, the all the stuff that makes a college a college, and I feel like there's people at the top that might be taking money, and really, what Ed Reed and and Deion Sanders is doing is they're kind of carrying on the the battle that the students have, because the students always say that the dorms has mold in it, cafeteria is not of a par, all these maintenance issues for a student body that should be done by a college. You know, it's one thing to be underfunded. It was another thing to not use the resources where it's at. And these coaches is seeing firsthand of what they have to go through. Because, like, if you look at it in the perfect world, right, this is the classic Negro League story in reverse. Because the HBCU, specifically MEAC and SWAC, was dominant conferences for basketball up in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And then football from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. And st- per, you could argue still to this day, they still produce um, NFL players. But I say this is the Negro League in reverse because the aspirations of Deion Sanders, Ed Reed, Hugh Jackson, these are highly capable uh, professional pedigree people that want to pour into the students and kind of build up our own issues and kind of take away from the Georgias, Florida states of the world that take those players. But I just feel like the organ- they're fighting against the powers that be that kind of like the way it is. What do you think about that topic? Yeah, I think you kind of hit it on the head a lot. I think uh, what happened is like a, a perfect storm for Deion Sanders in a sense. He's a one-a-lifetime athlete. You can't tell him he can't play. He played all sports. He's been good in all sports. He's a professional on many levels. He's seen the highest of qualities, and he's coming down to an HBCU college. And I don't even like to say coming down, but it's the truth. Like, because he could kind of go anywhere and kind of command that same attention that he brought to Jackson State. But he brought it to Jackson State for two and a half years, three years. And I think that shined a light on all colleges to say, all right, guys, we want to have this movement. Let's move forward. And then now, okay, now we actually got to clean up. Now you got somebody like Ed Reed that want to coach. You got Eddie George that's coaching. You kind of see where he started. Now I think it's up to the admin to say, what do we really want to be? Do we want to go to the White House every year and ask for money? Do we want to ask the state for money? And I know it's hard because now a lot of people have been fighting this fight that just brought attention like maybe three or four years ago that they've been fighting for decades. But now that the opportunity is here, I say don't let it slip away. 
Let alone let it slip away. You got these coaches that's going to bring tension that no other coaches in any other program that's going to bring. And now I, I say to all the administrators out there and all the, the big-time alumni, it's time for you guys to kind of step up and get it together. Because I think this is an opportunity where coaches want to coach. They want to bring players. They turning out sponsors. They getting a the crowd. They making a movement in the city. They making the community better. Ride that wave. Ride that wave to the top. And five, ten years is very short. Where you guys be at in ten years with this same energy? So I just say it's an opportunity for the admin to really say what you want to do. You know, you got the moment. You got the upswell. You got players. You got coaches. This is a good momentum change. Yeah, just to grow on your point a little bit, I think it's a pairing that needs to happen. So for a, a big name like Dion, I think it should be a, a, a Bob Johnson or a Robert Smith or a Jay-Z, for example. Somebody like a financial backer to back them up. Because so what Dion did, he did a whole lot of heavy lifting. He brought in Walmart, Under Armour, Pepsi, United Airlines, uh, a whole list of like media sponsors and stuff. But... I feel like what's missing here to make a school overnight turn into like a success, pretty much what Dion attempted, is a financial backing. And what I mean by that financial backing is you'll change houses. You know, the the board of directors will change. Like you'll start moving those people out. That's kind of hindering the growth because I feel like that's what Ed Reed plan was. He saw what Dion was doing. He even said it himself. He brought in Edwin James, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. And a list of others saying, like, hey, we're going to build a practice facility because all our resources going for busing the kids from the university to the stadium to practice, you know, that could be saved a lot of money. He, he had his plan in place, but the, the people, the administration didn't want to go with it. So to kind of halt all that is if you're coming in, a whole new regime change, meaning a big name booster that will – stake their name on it, kind of like Phil Knight with Oregon, kind of like uh, T. Boone Pickens with, was it Oklahoma? Jerry Jones with Arkansas. Like, it, it should just be like, and that's 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 a goal of me. You know, I'll forget financially up there, I would love to pour into like Southern University or TSU or something like that. But I, I feel like, I feel like, do you think, this will be the last topic we'll move on to something else on, on this issue. Do you feel like it could be salvageable? Because there still is Eddie George at Tennessee, Hugh Jackson at Grambling. Do you feel like that vision of what Deion Sanders is doing could actually be seen in the next, um, I'll say, five years? Most definitely. I think it will. I think Deion was just a start, but I think it's going to be a coach, a program, a team, an organization that's all going to get in sync, and they're going to see what kind of Deion started, and I think they're going to flourish. It's going to be – one school out of the division, and then I think it's going to start a, a groundswell of all the other schools to follow that same template. But what Dion did was start on the right path with bringing his own resources, bringing his own labor, bringing on players, bringing his own coaches, and letting that kind of build up. And I think we will see that in the next five years. And then what I mean when I say that, I mean that, you know, Pac-12, SEC, Big Ten, Atlantic Ten, they all have players – African-American players that kind of make their school. That's what I mean. Like, there's 101 HBCU. So, could the top players of those Power 5 conferences go into HBCUs? Like, that's the ultimate goal. And then from there, you talking about changing, changing the landscape of a lot of people's lives, you know?
Yeah, I just said one thing too. Like uh, HBCU, though, it always ha- it have to be competitive. You know, like anything, like picking a job, picking a career path, picking a hobby. You look at what's out there. You know, so for these young talented players that could get a hundred thousand dollars every year under the table versus going to HBCU, they dealt with that decisions coming out of high school, and they're looking at what could better them. But if a HBCU is comparative to a Alabama, to an Arkansas, to a Georgia, then I'm pretty sure they'll give the upper hand to the HBCU. But it got to be met at that same level, which I think one of these schools will strive for in the next five years. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep we'll keep tracking the situation. Hopefully, all is well with Ed Reed, and we'll track it coming up. But um, it's been big news out, you know. Um, there's been a lot of story around player Kyrie Irving, you know, this past 2022. 20, but recently he just got traded to the Dallas Mavericks and the media is, man, they're up in arms. It's like an all-out resort. Like ESPN and Fox Sports is saying he's cancerous to any organization. He traded. He um, betrayed Kevin Durant. He's going to. He's gonna ruin uh, Luka Doncic. Like those are the those are the stuff that they're talking about. You know what? What's your take on it? Okay, let's look at the whole thing, especially since twenty twenty. Like, all right, Kyrie Irving. He decided, you know, not to play in the bubble. You know, that's his decision. He decided not to get vaccinated. That was his decision. But it seems like it's been a everybody been saying he's bad for Brooklyn. Right? He need to get off the team. And Brooklyn, we all know that he's not going to get an extension for this team, and he's in his last year's deal. So if he requests a trade now, if he requests a trade at the end of the year, and everybody talking about him, get him and Brooklyn kind of leaving, what's the big hoopla? Like, why, why is he getting villainized? That's my biggest. The media sometimes could be so hypocritical that they say call for him to leave a team, they call for him to be out of Brooklyn, he's bad for the team, and once it do happen, now he's the bad guy that caused reason to leave. Like, they got to pick it aside, and I'm kind of tired of it because the media, every year they pick out one dude to be the bad guy, to be the villain, to be the, the bad guy, that the worst guy in the world, you know, and that's Kyrie Irving. He got a target on his back. He can't do nothing right. And when he's been positive, when he's been giving money, when he's been – you know, playing good. He's been quiet. He haven't really been talking a lot. He's just kind of been leading by his actions. He's still a bad guy, and they still kill him in the media. And I'm like, media, pick a side. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I look at it like this. He already requested a trade in the beginning of the season, and then all of a sudden there's a big media backlash for him posting a link. Huh, I wonder how that happened. And if I'm Kyrie, like, I remember all of this. So the owner and the, the GM – Marks of the team, he said, "You gotta, you gotta give five hundred thousand dollars to the ADL. You gotta." He gave him like a punishment list, pretty much. He said, "Then you can get back on the team." That was crazy. So, like, just from that point on, I would never want to be a part of that organization again. And a lot of people said, "Oh, he they they didn't he didn't live out his contract. He didn't play the games. You the one who banned him. That was the that was the team." Wasn't that the team rule or was that the state rule? I don't know. But either way, he was able to play half the games, right? He was willing to play, and then they end up lifting that. They end up lifting it anyway. So, like, if I'm Kyrie, like, there, a lot of people is, is going on the fact that, you know, he left Boston when he wanted a max deal. I think it was, like, two years, three years in contract, he wanted out. And a lot of people are saying that Kyrie Irving was never wanted to go to the Nets, actually. It was Kevin Durant's decision. But I mean, like, 
this dude is a generational talent. I mean, this dude is growing. He's a growing person. People change, and it's definitely not fair to him for all his bad stuff to be brought up as a resume uh, for him to make his next move. I think it's a good move. And do you notice how fast that trade happened? Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's very interesting? Right. It was interesting too. He's gonna be. He's an all star for Brooklyn next. All star starter too. And he got traded, and he expected to play next Monday, I believe. So that'd be interesting. You play on another team, but represent another team for all star. But what I didn't like was headlines like all over YouTube. Is Kyrie a narcissist? I just don't like how people frame questions around that. Like, why is that even necessary in a trade from a player? Do we ever bash anybody's character when they get traded? And the team traded them. I mean, reports came out that he wanted to be traded, but he wanted to be traded at the beginning of the season. Now it's heavy. I want to get traded, then I get traded. You could kind of almost see as you get older how narratives get played out. You know, all of a sudden he want to get traded. The next day, like you said, he got traded. I think that's all on the team, bashing his name, bashing his character, really downplaying his value so he only get a big contract. That's what's really going on. It's definitely them suppressing him, getting a, getting a big bag. But I think uh, New Jersey, I mean, I keep saying New Jersey, Brooklyn, they got, um, they got what's it called, survival's remorse or something. I feel like they, they're regretting right now. The reason I said that is 2018 or 2019, 20, 2017, 2018, 2019, they had Kenny Atkinson, right? He's mm-hmm. currently the, the assistant coach of the Warriors. Good coach. He passed. He turned down the Charlotte Hornets job, but he had a program going in yeah. Brooklyn. He had he had D. Loden, he had Dinwiddie, he had Jared Allen, Karis Levert. Levert. You had Deli on the bench too, but you had uh, uh, what's, uh, they had a squad. They had momentum. Like that team right there, it was a good mixture of veterans and young guys. And like D. Loden, he was coming into his own. What happened? They moved them all out for Kevin Durant and. Um, and uh, Kyrie Irving. So I feel like, man, you had a solid coach. You had a solid culture in your team. You had something. But what happened? A brand new GM came. A brand new ownership came. And they just switched it out. So, like, I feel like I feel like they missed their mark right there of uh, trying to go for the big fish. And I don't know COVID happened and stuff is different. But I feel like Brooklyn, and this is what happens with a lot of organizations. They try to think short term too much. And then they kind of ruined. They kind of ruined what they got because they they definitely had something good. Now, then when he coming back to his old squad where he played for for five years, and uh, we'll see what happens. Like I think it's a good. I think it's a good trade for both squads. But I'm just best of luck on Kyrie on that. And uh, just one more topic I want to kind of bring into. So he didn't go to the Lakers. That uh, the the report said that that was his. Number one trade option, but he's not a restricted free agent, so it's not up to him. So, what do you think on on him not going to the Lakers? It's similar to the same a move with Magic Johnson and Dale Dumps when they was trying to get Anthony Davis during that All Star break. I think back in twenty eighteen was it twenty seventeen? I think it's between. It comes down to like saving face, being petty, not giving the player what they want. Because, uh, you know, we hear a lot of days now, players ask for a trade, they get a trade. Players sign a five-year contract, and in year two, they want it out, and they get what they want. The narrative of, like, players getting what they want, and they're not giving them what they want. So I think it's like, all right, I'll see you anywhere, but I'm not going to see you to the Lakers. And 
Uh, I think that'd have been interesting too, because then, all right, if he went to the Lakers, would Russ still be on the team, or you think he'd have got moved? Yeah, now nah, you talking about you swapping contract for contract? Yeah, no, Russ would definitely go back with his old partner Kevin Durant, and I think that would be a more interesting interesting storyline than Kyrie with LeBron again. What you think? I think KD got to sign off on that. See, I think I don't think KD wanted that. I don't think, all right, Kyrie gone like James Harden went, right? All right, you can't do nothing about it because KD was trying to leave. But I don't think KD wanted to play with Russ again. So I think that's why he didn't go to the Lakers, honestly. Like, you think KD wanted to play with him? I feel like, all right, so KD left. Well, he didn't leave stuff. He just chose to kind of get it on his own. But I feel like, all right, Ever since him, ever since he went to Golden State, he's been like he's been taking like a, a reputation hit, and one of the biggest proponent on the other side has been Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But you fast forward to Russell, like after the you know the the triple double season, after that when he made a stint in Houston, then to uh, I don't know where he went, Washington was it? Yeah, Washington for for a hot second, and then and then. I don't know. I don't know how he got to. I don't know what team he got on before LA, but he's kind of been a journeyman for these past four years, and his reputation now is he's playing behind two-way players. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I guess he don't play well with LeBron James. But I feel like if anything, I think this will be the best matchup for Kevin Durant and for Russell Westbrook. And then if James Harden stick on, they could have all been the same, bro, in the same team, bro, if the dude stayed on. But I feel like they both need each other right now. I think it'll be good for uh, Kevin Durant's reputation, and I feel like it'll revitalize Westbrook Westbrook with a familiar face, with a familiar system, and he can kind of get his mojo back because everybody's getting on his head, too, like they get on Kyrie. I think a couple players we're going to look back. Media really did a number on. We're going to look at Ben Simmons. We're going to look at Carmelo Anthony. We're going to look at Russell Westbrook. Those three kind of been like targets. Like in the, You could tell the media affects them because even though nobody's saying the Lakers, they're in last place, but this dude Skip Bayless make a living about talking about LeBron every single day. Win, lose, rain out, delay, off game, they're going to talk about LeBron every single day. And it, tell me this, if the Lakers is, like, third from last place, why is this in the A block of every one of the sports shows? Like, so think about it. The media, like, Skip and Shannon, they did a number on Russ. They kind of really took down his reputation single-handedly. That's kind of why he's probably in his head a lot. Because they, with 2021, 2022, they took him out, man. It was a hit job every single day, just talking about how inadequate he was. So, we're going to really look at the fact of what the media did on some of these players and how they reacted because they listen. What, uh, one thing I got to say about this Lakers situation is ain't nobody saying nothing about Rob Palenka. You notice Magic Johnson, he drafted Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, bro, uh, was it Josh Hart? Bro, they had a young Cal Kuzma. They had a young core that they're doing. Cal Kuzma is a player now. Brandon Ingram is a player now. Josh Hardy's cool. He's cool. And then Lonzo Ball is trying to make his way back, you know, after injury. But I feel like ever since Rob Palenka came in, this dude do not know how to GM. Like, bro, you got to get, like, players, like, complimentary players. These are, like, not complimentary. This is the opposite of complimentary. Like, I ain't never seen a squad assemble like this before. 
Like, and I feel like this dude is like a scapegoat. Like, I mean, he's he's like not a scapegoat, but he's not getting any kind of pushback. And it's like, like who's these players? Like, they they fired Frank Vogel, bro. But I feel like he wasn't even the right coach for the job. I feel like Jason Kidd should have got his job. But I'm I'm saying though, but like, it's not the coach, bro. If you can't get no good players around you, I feel like it's the GM who's putting these players together. And I feel like Lakers took another missed another big opportunity. And I feel like LeBron James is going to waste his career there if they still have him at the helm as a GM. Yeah, that's on Jeannie Bus too, man. Because everybody was getting on the other bus, the brother, when the Lakers were dormant. Now it's her turn at, at the helm, and they did get a championship. But is they going to ride off that, you know? Because I think that's all they're going to get. So you got to look at Jeannie Bus, you know? Magic Johnson bowed out. Rob Lincoln stayed. And they've been kind of lingering around getting into the playoffs for the last two or three years. So you kind of got to look at the ownership and the direction that she took. She's stuck with the same GM. He's not producing. It's time to really get some known names. And last thing I want to say, man, what's up with Mark Jackson, man? We need Mark Jackson back on the coaching bench. So when you said the most, like, done-in players, the most players that got wrong, that's what I thought of. I thought about coaches, like, the – we should come out, like, with an episode of, like, who got the most blackballed because, like, people don't talk. It's, like, it's a bad word. You can't talk about Mark Jackson, even though he's responsible of turning around the greatest franchise of our generation. He's responsible for that. Before Mark Jackson, you had Don Nelson and you had, a you know, you had the We Believe, you know, which was pretty much one season. But this dude drafted and built it up the foundation member. Steph Curry, he was old goods. He was on the trading block. They, he couldn't stay on the court, you know, because of the ankle things. And now he gave him that confidence. He drafted Klay Thompson. You know, Draymond came out of nowhere, got himself into a starting spot. Dude got a court. Like, and I feel like the Warriors, they need that. They need that. Um, I think a lot of squads could, could benefit of having a Mark Jackson on the squad. I'll just say that. But I feel like on, on the next episode, we should talk about the most underrated or blackball players because it's, it's real interesting how certain situations could turn out on other people's careers. But anything else you want to add before we get out there? No, that's it. But, yeah, next episode, I'm looking forward to that topic. I got a couple in mind for sure. All right, so as you know, you could catch this podcast on anywhere you listen to. Follow us on Instagram, um, and we'll catch you next time.